Hello, and welcome to First 7-Inch Club, episode 79. First 7-Inch Club is a podcast where we dig up 7 inches uh, from the past within the realms of punk, hardcore, and metal, and discuss whether or not they're worth being remembered. We'll also provide facts and trivia that we get from the internet and our own personal experiences. Uh, We don't personally consider ourselves know-it-alls or experts, but many other people do. Uh, last week, I thought we hit it out of the park and uh, got reports of many inaccuracies, which I yeah. know is not true. So <laughs> those people should tune into another episode where we actually do get a lot, a lot wrong. But yeah. I am, I am Mike, and with me is Scott. Mike, I know we we have a heavy loaded uh, episode at the beginning here, uh, but I'll, so I'll be brief. But I just wanted to let everyone know that I went inside a Taco Bell and sat down to eat for the first time since March 2020. Oh my god! Uh, and it was very depressing. It was like. <laughs> It was empty. It was how, so I don't know if there's like a guiding principle to how all the Taco Bells are remodeling. I know a lot of them are like remodeling and trying yeah. to look a certain way. I don't know if they're trying to all resemble Chipotle or, you know, trying to look like they're, um, it's a modern rustic. That's what modern rustic, I guess yeah. a lot of all exposed, exposed light bulb wiring yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. They didn't do any of that. All they did was replaced all their booths and everything with plain old wood grain looking patio furniture. Yeah. They're just plain metal tables with fake wood grain or something and like flimsy matching chairs. And it, it feels like a real bummer of a cafeteria. Like they're all loose. Nothing's really nailed down or screwed down or in place anymore. They're just like Ikea desks or something. <laughs> they just like filled the room and it's a total fucking bummer. So uh, listeners chime in. Do you live in a dull small town like me? And has your Taco Bell sold off their booths to make ends meet this year? Are they on hard, hard times? Is is yours? Because mine. I live in a city, obviously, so they're yeah. they're they can't do this. But do you have one of those newer designed like monolithic Taco Bells that just is like a big cube? Ours is really weird because it's a KFC and a Taco Bell, but they're separate and they bridge them together. So there's just like the drive through has this overhang over it for some reason. Uh, like, I almost think that that's a real estate thing. Like to make it one business, they just had to connect the building. So they just glued them together in the middle. Yeah. Um. So you, you when you're sitting at Taco Bell, you can look across that little drive through and you can see the people miserably eating their KFC uh, in the dining room across the way. But it's old school. It looks like 90s style, like stucco, uh, you know, old, old oh, building okay. on the outside. It still all looks that way. But the inside uh it's decorated like i'm having my last meal before the gas chamber now and that's <laughs> yeah. that's what i felt that's, like when that's I was what they've there. been going for these yeah. days that's that's the the thing mine i went i got lunch from mine a couple weeks ago like probably right at noon and uh it was noon on like a sunday i think and it looked like it was 3 a.m on a saturday like it was yeah. just disgusting like there's shit all over the place and it's like yep. you've only been open for an hour what is yep. going on in here so, <laughs> so i think i think they just know no one's really eating inside of taco bell still so they're just like eh, fuck it we don't need to clean even the digital kiosk and stuff is all like broken and malfunctioning it's, yeah. like, it's like it's like a bomb has gone off in, in, in a robocop movie or something and the screen's going <laughs> how many people could have used this thing yeah. by now i think eight people a day go in there and they must be using a hammer to touch the screen or something like that because everything's all smashed to pieces and everything's dirty yeah. and i mean the soda still tastes okay so they're cleaning they're, they're either cleaning or not cleaning the machine whatever makes soda taste better but even the free refills couldn't keep me there i was like i gotta go yeah dude the one that mine they finally got their liquor license back and it's like who wants to drink a beer inside of this place? This is, <laughs> it's a real sad time. You will fucking kill yourself. You will kill yourself if you if you get drunk in that building. Yeah, it's oh just it's too sad now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this episode is a little special one. So right out out on the top, I'll just say, if you want to reach us, you can go to first seven inch club at gmail.com or more easy, easier. You can go to our Instagram at first seven inch club. That's all letters. 
Uh, you could easily message us there if you don't have Instagram. There's mm-hmm. still a link tree on the Instagram, so you could go to First Avenue Club on Instagram and hit that link tree and find the easiest way to get in touch with us. From there, we also have a YouTube where we rip all these seven inches if you need to listen to them real quick or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. But <laughs> this episode's a, a little special. We usually uh, have a little I guess, ad or something promotion up front for State of Mind Recordings and their distro. But uh, this episode, he uh, he they, they supplied us with a Secret Santa gift. of you Just go listen to the last episode if you know what the fuck I'm talking about. But basically, <laughs> me and Scott picked mystery seven inches for each other. And we're going to do like mini reviews for them. So it's not going to be the deep dive, the, the incorrect, inaccurate deep dive <laughs> that we usually go for. It's just going to be a, a quick, uh, like I didn't even write notes for this. So it's going to be a little quick review. Um, my record is a band called Spore on Tang Records and their seven inch called Fair God. Scott, our state of mind recordings only had the 10 inch version. That yeah. is what Scott got me. So the the seven inch version is only two songs. The the, the 10 inch the the 10 inch picture disc version is four songs. So I'm really only going to talk about those two songs. But it doesn't matter. It's kind of they all sound the same. So it's uh and when the when Scott got me the picture disc, I assumed oh this was probably something they put out many years later to commemorate this band I've never heard of or something like that. <laughs> nope. This has just been sitting around since 1993. Uh, I don't, I don't know how long Mr. State of mind has had it in his distro, but, uh, it's a pretty long fucking time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they released, they released four different versions of this fair God, seven inch, a seven inch, 10 inch picture disc, uh, cassette and CD all at the same time. This was Tang records, number 75. So, I guess the money started rolling in pretty early for Tang Records. I don't know if it's the, the Sam Black Church or all of the seminal Boston hardcore they released, but they mm-hmm. must have they must have been making bank to uh, to release this on four separate things. <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, somebody Brian in the Discord, Brian who listens to the show, had a question where he said, uh, "Is there any band? Is there any hardcore band that has made it farther on less recorded music than Scowl?" And it's pretty tough if you think about it, because he's, he's, you know, they're playing huge things. They're playing things that usually reserved to like MTV bands and stuff like that. And uh, they only they only have like what, like twelve minutes of music, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I have to pose the question: Is there any band who has recorded this much music in such a short time that has made it nowhere than <laughs> than Spore? Because uh, they they've basically only been active for a year and a half, yeah. and they have eighteen hundred releases. This band was busy. They they have uh, two full length albums. One uh, split LP, and then one, two, three, four, six, seven inches. This is yep. insane. This is an insane. One of those, yeah. Is it a seven inch? Yeah, they have they have six seven inches. That is incredible. So these these uh, this band was just making music in 93, 94, <laughs> and they were immediately recording it. And uh, for the most part, yeah, I think they had one thing. They had something on a, a record. A record label called Cinderblock Records, and then after that, they got immediately got signed to Tang, and uh, they are off to the races, just putting out hundreds and hundreds of songs on Tang Records. 
Um, I was not familiar with the band Spore before this. Their discog says they were a hard rock, uh, quote unquote, dark punk band from mm-hmm. Boston. Um, they there a lot of a lot of other places say they're sludge or sludge core or some noise core stuff like that. Um, they're you know, they're somewhere in between all, all those those descriptions. Um, as far as members, I think the only Mona Elliott was the singer. Uh, she went on to a band called Victory at Sea, which I guess was fairly popular. Yeah. Their uh, their last few things were on Gurn Blanston, the dude from Rorschach's record or record label, and uh, they're kind of an indie rock band. Um, Mark Orleans passed away in 2020, June 2020. So I don't know if that was from the COVID or something else, but obviously mm-hmm. he was uh, very way too young to, to be dying. So I don't know what happened there. Um, sorry, I thought there was something else. He was in a bunch of bands, but nothing, nothing like too crazy that I think any of our listeners would know. Probably though, probably I'll get I'll get a message saying, "Hey, I know Mark Orleans. He was in all my favorite <laughs> bands, but." He's my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, nothing, nothing that popped out to me. Uh, but this Fair God Seven Inch was, I guess, their. It's hard to tell because they have so many releases. This is either their second seven inch. Yeah, this is probably their second seven inch before their first full length, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, just off to the races, four different versions of this. Their full length record had nine different versions. So, <laughs> so. So Tang just really loved these these guys. As I said, I never heard this before, but it was a sound that was immediately familiar to me. Uh, Fair God, the title track is just like very 90s. It's something where I don't know if Scott's going to play this in the background or not. So you might have to use your imagination if yeah. he's not. But it's uh, it's just a very 90s sounding song. Um, I could. There's no doubt in my mind that if I heard this at an earlier impressionable age, I would love this. I would absolutely love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their imagery. They use a lot of. Uh, like old, like satanic, um, I would say late 1800s imagery, like those big ornate paintings that people would do of like Satan that kind of looked like between, he looked somewhere between like an actual evil villain and a cartoon wolf. Like he just like <laughs> had those big exaggerated features and stuff like that. Yeah. They use a lot of that shit, a lot of the big uh, kind of like big, like really uh, sticking out like impact type of fonts and stuff like that. So I, they're, they're definitely sticklers for graphic design and Usually, when you are labeled noise core, you're probably artsy, so so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I I loved all that stuff back in the day. The music, like it sucks because I like I said I would have really liked this back in the day. I don't think I could get into this right now. I don't I don't think I'm allowed to. I don't think I could just say, hey, yeah, I've been getting into spore, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I would probably be uh, I would be banned from talking about music publicly on a podcast because I don't think this is a, a band you could just get into in 2023. It's too late. The spore late. train has passed. It's uh, you know, it's very proto any kind of, when you say noise core, you're probably thinking of AMREP stuff yeah. and uh, they, they could have maybe been on AMREP. It's a little too light to be it's on like AMREP. It's like half the record could be on AMREP. Yeah. yeah. The other half couldn't be. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's very, it's like, it's like beginners AMREP, my first AMREP record or something like that. <laughs> it's uh, but it's, you know, it has like, a lot of it's repetitive, super repetitive, even the vocals, the lyrics and stuff. Um, and it's droney, so that's cool. The, this, the song Fear God itself is fine, but uh, I think the, the, the real standout is the, the, the cover, which is uh, a Beatles cover, I guess, called yeah. I Want You, She's So Heavy, in parentheses. Um, and it's one of those covers where they really make it their own. Like, you, there's no fucking way you could ever tell this is a Beatles song. And that's super cool. It's uh, They make it sludgy and dark and gross and a little noisy. Um, it's, uh, it's weird because I just listened to this on Spotify and I think it's missing it 
on Spotify, or maybe I'm getting the songs mixed up, but there's one version where it was like she's like just yelling at the end, and that that you could do away with that. You can do yeah. away with the repetitive acapella yelling. I don't need that. But outside of that, it's a it's a pretty cool cover. If you are if if people are still impressed by cover songs, I don't think they are anymore, but maybe they are. And you are like uh, I always have to impress people and show them my knowledge of things they don't know about. This is a good this is a good cover to pull out because they probably don't know it and it's uh, it's pretty cool it's listenable even in the 2000s it's not like their their original material which is tough to pull off in 2023 yeah. uh, without any f- previous history with them but I will I will probably check out the the rest of their discography I'm sure it's going to sound just as aged because they apparently <laughs> recorded all this stuff within months so i don't think there is any uh, kind of growth within like you know 12 to 18 months but maybe i'll check it out and i'll report back uh if if they ever grew up um i think their last release was a mission of burma split so so maybe that's the one maybe that's the one where yeah. spore really shines and uh becomes a full-blown amrep band but uh that's my little capsule review for spore i dug it i'm glad uh scott forced this upon me i'm sad that i am a little too old and it's a little too uh far the far along in, in the future for me to really dig spore but i'm i'm glad i could at least retroactively appreciate it uh this band also had strong ties with isis uh, okay. yeah, yeah that's guy, what i forgot yeah. yeah they i forgot to mention they have their own wikipedia which probably means somebody in the band made it but yeah it yeah, mentions yeah. it mentions that one of them played on uh, isis's celestial which was yeah. probably the last isis record that i could tolerate but ISIS guys would play on his stuff. Like they went back and forth. So like ah. these guys are, are buddies, I guess. A- Al Noir, how you however you pronounce yeah. that name, he is uh, kind of in a, in that gang. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I didn't hear these other two songs that you got, and I liked. I'm like, I I heard Fear God and I heard the cover, and Fear God is almost like a punky. It's a pretty dumb punky song, and it's kind of it's got that ni- like 80s anti-religious, anti-televangelist uh, kind yeah. of vibe which is you know that's kind of a we don't talk about that that much anymore so it's like an old topic (laughs) but uh it's kind of silly for that reason alone but the way she screams i thought was cool i like her i always liked her scream i always like when punky stuff is screechy and then the two songs that you got bonus are actual like sludge core songs they're like really sludgy and heavy and screechy and kind of uncompromising i was like wow i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know these guys had something real in them i thought it was just kind of a funny record i was sending you but i was i mean i was into amrap and i was definitely into like cop shoot cop and willard bark market i was still trying to hang on to jesus built my hot rod ministry you know i was i was there for my so there's a song that i liked back in the day called uh colostomy grab bag by the band old old lady drivers i recommend people check this out if you haven't because the first part of the song goes back and forth between like really sludgy heavy riffs and like this really atmospheric spaghetti western mariachi part (laughs) <laughs> that but it's committed it's not funny they don't have like a trumpet going it's just like this really beautiful strummy mariachi part and it's nice it's like awesome <laughs> it's like, it sounds dumb but i think it was really pulled off well and then it goes into an old song which is like bah, 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 you know it's just like crazy but that song defined me for years i wanted everything i did to be you know something like that and i think the song sick on here is kind of in that vein it's like really silly part and then a really 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 heavy screeching yeah. part and I, that was, and then I was actually back in the day, I saw that band Alice Donut mm. do a cover of Helter Skelter, really heavy with a trombone. So I was just amenable <laughs> to people doing these heavy Beatles covers. Like Beatles had like three or four metal songs, basically proto metal songs. And when people dug them up and started covering them weird ways, I, I was super into that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was me that you got a better version than I got uh, in every way. Um, so 
I received All Out War, <laughs> Hymns of the Apocalypse on Trip Machine Records. I don't exactly have a like a track. It's only two tracks, and I still didn't think of them track by track because I was more like, first of all, this is the first time I've physically queued up a record in quite a while because I don't do that for this, <laughs> this <laughs> surprise. I don't actually listen to the records we, for this show in, in record form. So obviously my record player is set to 33. And I put it on and was like, oh, this is banging, man. This is like, <laughs> like what the fuck? All my friends listen to this? But no, it's, it's a 45. So I turned it on, and then it was kind of like, it's heartbreaking. Because if I had ever listened to this back in the day, I'd have known that all my friends secretly dig thrash metal. They just didn't know it. <laughs> and that they dig Death Doom, and they didn't know it. Uh, I didn't do a lot of like real research on the band. I just kind of looked them up real quick. I would be surprised if I didn't turn up some information that at least one or more of these guys did some time in like normal metal bands. Because this is pretty sophisticated it's like lunkhead sophisticated but like all the chugging parts have weird harmonies tucked into them they're all really precisely played uh the the, the production is awesome it's like really thrash metal heavy there's like chords there's harmonies there's all these all these simple slams have all this layer of sophistication tucked into them i i would i would bet my eyeballs that some of these guys were in like anacrusis or something <laughs> these guys were in some some actual band so yeah guys who I, who I know from uh, out of town you all would have liked sepultura if you didn't know that you would like violence <laughs> and some of you would have even liked incantation and maybe paradise lost i'm sick about all the time we missed out on together <laughs> that we could have we could have all been at the campfire on jones drive had the kegger like you know moshing together and like screaming into a, 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 a micro cassette recorder uh that could, we could have had a great time together <laughs> um i thought this record was great uh, I was going to joke that side two was a funeral doom song. And then they actually go into a funeral doom song, like <laughs> halfway through the, the song destined to burn becomes something else. It goes into like, I, it's almost like they're playing sludgy, slow stuff to be kind of like, you know, maybe acid bathy or something like that. And yeah. then they go, they go into a full on paradise lost song for a good <laughs> long while. And it's totally different. Like the guy just had an idea. Hey, I have an idea. Let's play. <laughs> <laughs> let's do be a death metal let death doom band for a little while and the vocals are like <laughs> and uh and then it just goes back to being chugga chugga slams again i love it i love this record this is really a good record it's, and the layout is great it's got the you know the uh, albrecht durer four horsemen on the cover and it's like all you know four horsemen stuff all the way through uh, i believe i still i didn't get we didn't get to ask i believe that i'll bet you this is sean mesler jumping over the crowd to sing into the mic on the back Oh yeah. Um, they use old English font exclusively. Even the body, even the lyrics are in old, <laughs> old English <laughs> font. Um, it's very, it's pretty bare bones. You don't get any extras with it. It, it is what it is. But this is like a, I, 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 my mouse is hovering over a really dope all-out war shirt with an upside-down cross online. I'm, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to embark on this journey. I'm really happy to have uh, filled this hole. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking at the back. It's definitely him. Um, yeah, th this this record was originally on something called SRS Records, I think, and uh, mm -hmm. SUR Records. And this is there's 25 versions of this record, six different presses, so uh, quite a lot, quite, quite a fun. What yeah, color man. was yours? Did it come on a color? Oh yeah, the vinyl is like a kind of a um, an under the desk bubblegum 
mm. purplish grayish smear. Okay. It's like a marbled purple. I think that's color. purple trash with standard cover then. That is <laughs> yeah. uh there's also seafoam purple burst, but there's that's limited to six. So you probably you probably have the one that was limited to sixty eight. So uh, Wow. You know, sixty seven other people. Yeah, uh I I'll be honest, I haven't listened to all that war in a hundred years. Uh, <laughs> they're like one of those bands that like an older boy was like there was there's a weird period where I think all at war released a demo and maybe a seven inch before this was there a seven inch yeah there's destined to burn uh, I think that was a seven inch alone before this that was the, that was the thing with all at war I think they recorded destined to burn 800 different times yeah um, and I think they were on like a comp or something and they broke up for a while and yeah even they, these songs are show up in several other places redone yeah. several other <laughs> yeah ways. and so like some of all fears uh their demo some of all fears. Uh, was from 92 and that was like that was like the thing that got passed around like you ever hear this band mm-hmm. they broke up they're awesome and like at the time it was just like what Scott Scott described but within the realm of hardcore where everything's pretty basic it was like holy shit like, these guys are fucking yeah. crazy it sucks that all we'll never get to see them because they broke up but then they got back together and uh, they they signed a victory and uh, the victory stuff is good like I think I I think Condemned to Suffer from 2003 was probably the last I checked for All at War, but uh, luckily they released about 4,000 other things since then, so I don't know, but I remember Truth in the Age of Lies was really good, I mean, for the time, mm-hmm. and uh, for, for those who, uh, who were crucified was probably their, their big classic Victory re- Records release, so uh, then I can't really speak, but yeah, they were always like an interesting band that has just like always been there. I don't like, I don't know if they have a huge crowd now i assume they don't but i don't know yeah, i can imagine <laughs> but i mean there's you know there's like a year in 97 where they were kind of like on top of the world especially in in the general uh area of the, the tri-state especially in downstate new york and connecticut and all those places but uh but yeah they've just been chugging along and they were releasing stuff that <laughs> sounded like scott described way earlier than anybody else was so yeah it's uh definitely worth checking out <laughs> for some reason you're like scott and you uh you missed the all-out <laughs> war train 30 years ago well and the vocals are nuts on this too like a lot of tough guy bands yeah uh have you know a lot of tough guy bands have better vocalists than i would have thought with 30 years of hindsight or whatever this mm. guy's crazy he's, 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 he's he just kind of attacks the vocals yes. uh with whatever is left in his throat and it, it's very freeform i kind of like that oh also uh this at the same time i uh for some reason decided to finally get around to listening to cold as life no, oh. uh, I worked for a company that was—I mean, maybe many people could say this—but I worked for a company that was threatened by Cold as Life <laughs> uh, repeatedly. They used to call and leave death threats on our voicemail that were very funny. We saved some of them, but it's like you know, 21 years ago now, so nobody's phone existed <laughs> back then. I'm getting really stupid with old age because this is what I want to hear now. Well, I'll say you're even getting stupider with an old age because we did a whole entire episode about Cold as Life. We did uh, on, on our previous podcast, All Holes Filled. No way. We did an episode about them? Yes. I don't remember listening to them. Oh, we, we used to do four records at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I never listened to that again. <laughs> I, play, I did, played it, hit my review, and then then left it right. behind. So yeah. I, guess I, I guess I have listened to it before, but I, I, it's very uh, satisfyingly stupid to me. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get a Colder Than You crew hoodie. I'm getting an All Out War hoodie. I'm, yeah. I'm really going to be looking cool. <laughs> To be fair, when we did the episode, it was before they re-released it and remastered it, so it still sounded kind of shitty. So yeah, it's kind of like you're hearing them for the first time now. I'm hearing the nuances they always intended. Yeah, the subtlety yes. that well, Cole's they... <laughs> always had in mind. Speaking of not too great recordings, we can get on to our our main feature, our main event for this episode. This is also provided by State of Mind Recordings. This was a request by 
Mr. State of Mind, and he uh, he sent the uh, he sent the seven inch. I don't know if this this is an old seven inch, so I don't know if this is from his personal collection or if he mm-hmm. had. A ton, I assume he has a ton laying around. He's from Long Island. He has all the Long Island bands, so I assume he has a bunch laying around. But uh, this is a band called Clockwise, and their seven inch called Dead End, which may or may not be the actual title. Um, it's on Motherbox Records, and it's from late '95, early '96. It's on Discogs. It says '93. That's not true. Um, it's I'm, I'm probably gonna fix it before this episode drops because it really annoys me. It fucked me up, <laughs> and I reach out and and ask for help for this because uh, my brain started malfunctioning, knowing that the date was wrong, and <laughs> I had to get to the bottom of it. And uh, because I guess to get into it, this doesn't sound as pro as their demo did, which was listed as 1994. And I was like, there's no fucking way this is from 1993 and the demos from 1994 or there's no way like the demo. It's it's just a bit confusing mess for me. It was a bit confusing yeah. mess. Um, so I had to go ask and yeah, it was, it was definitely from 95 or 96. Um, Clockwise was a band from Long Island and they had they had a couple things. Like I said, they had a demo. They had the seven inch and then they had a kind of CD EP sort of thing. Is it EP full length? Maybe, yeah, you know, six songs. That's an EP called she was in, in 1996 and then they called it quits mm-hmm. and uh so it was very short-lived back in the day i remember i can't remember if it was from uh zine or like it couldn't have been from the internet because the demo was out in 94 and see this is this is the whole thing with this band because my brain is malfunctioning in my mind cl- clockwise came out way later yeah and i was much more fully formed in my tastes in music but uh, every all signs point to the demo actually coming out in '94, and I had the demo, so I don't know if I got it super late or what. But um, <laughs> but I remember it was there was like a buzz, like these guys are going to be the next big thing, like the next big like uh, melodic hardcore band coming out of Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting the demo, and I, I really liked the demo. It was like really good, like it's really pro sounding for a demo. It it basically wasn't even a demo. It was one of those ones that were had like printing, like they got them, you know professionally duplicated and manufactured and shit like that. Yeah. Even though the cover was very demo-esque as Scott J pointed out in the Facebook group, it was color Xerox though, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of a crazy combo. To that was like something. three bucks a page back then or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty crazy combo to have like a, a color Xerox demo cover, but then a professionally made actual cassette you would figure yeah. you, would, you would splurge for that, that professional cover too, but they didn't have that. And, uh, but they did have a color cover. Um, and yeah, so I never like I, I remember having that demo. And I I thought it was really good, and I think they just like abruptly broke up. I never saw them. I never heard the seven inch before. I never heard the CD after the seven inch. So uh, when Mister State of Mind was like, "Oh, you should do the Clockwise seven inch," I was like, I, "I never heard that." So so here we are doing the Clockwise seven inch. Um, so I'll, I'll break down the band members. I don't really have a lot on the band members. It was uh. I don't know. I just didn't. Don't really have a lot. I don't know what to tell tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, I, got, I got some stuff. So okay. We'll so find. Eddie Reyes is the guitar. He's probably the most famous member of the band. Uh, he was in Mind Over Matter. He was uh, probably more known for forming the band Taking Back Sunday, which was a huge band. He was also in the movie Life, um, and uh, I guess he recently left Taking Back Sunday, like within the last four years or so. And uh, he, I guess he claimed that you know it, just, it was too much on his brain. And then he started an, an he started a new band. I can't I can't get confirmation if they're still around, but they're called Fate's Got a Driver, which was a split lip song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I they they're one of those those bands that come out of the gate with a professional music video. And uh, it just I put it on. It sounds like warm milk 
like it's just like <laughs> and i was just like this sucks i don't like this shit like i don't i don't yeah. know i don't understand that stuff like i don't understand how you just start a band that sounds like that but yeah that's me it's not for me but he's still chugging along in a band i assume doing bands sort of full-time uh general george fullen was the vocalist he's the one who uh, reached out and uh, corrected some things that I'll get into later too, but he was a vocalist. He also did a band three years older, which is something that sticks out in my mind. I assume I, I'm going to guess we played with them or something because that name really sticks out and I can't think of why else because I don't think they did much. Um, he's an engineer and producer now. He has a lot of technical credits for a lot of uh, kind of legendary Long Island band um, records and stuff like that, but more importantly, he has a technical credit on a Cheap Trick album. And Ooh, that's, uh, wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. it says technical, so it's not production. So yeah. it could he could have just been getting coffee that day or something. But either way, he you can't take that away from him. He has a cheap trick uh, credit, so yeah. that's cool. Um, Phil Han- Phil Hanrity is the guitarist and uh, also vocalist. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he would later go on to be in a little more famous band called Ir- Ir- Type Eleven, which was kind of like uh, <laughs> somewhere I think I've, I think in one of the YouTube comments or something. Uh, I saw them perfectly described as like, what if quicksand went the wrong way and <laughs> just became like completely radio rock accessible. And that's yeah. kind of what Aerotype 11 was. They were also on Walter's record label, Some Records. So uh, I think Walter also knew they were they were radio friendly quicksand. Uh, some guy named Russ played the drums. No idea. Uh, some guy. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that Phil was. No, wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah. So Paul was the bassist on this, but he's he's credited as the ex bassist on this. He's some guy. I didn't look that up. Uh, mm-hmm. Gary Bennett was the bassist that was uh, that was credited on this as the new bassist, and uh, he was in a bunch of bands. He was in big <laughs> band called Big Sniff, which is a great name. Yeah. Uh, he was on Black Anvil. He was in Black Anvil, which was a, a relapse band for a really long time. Death Cycle, very popular. Kill Your Idols. He's still in Kill Your Idols. I don't know if they play out, but they just released something not too long ago, and he was in that. He's in Share Terror. I think anybody from the Long Island, New York area has been in Share Terror, though, so that's no, nothing special. But, uh, you know, second most famous guy in this band. But yeah. uh, outside of that, I was when I was, I was sniffing around, uh, Clockwise had uh, for their, their She Was EPCD, they had a music video. And this was 1996. And this was a real ass music video. It was like the, the thing with punk and hardcore music is the videos have always sucked for years and years and years. Yeah. I think now people have finally figured out how to make hardcore videos, but for so long, they were so terrible because there's only so much you could do that isn't dumb. And mostly that just boils down to like a live, like just a live setting and a live recording and a live show. And it's pretty boring. And, uh, they have this video for, she was, that's, uh, actually titled. She said on the YouTube video, but it's actually, she was, <laughs> And it's it is them playing a show. It's like them playing a show on a rooftop, I assume in Long Island or New York. And uh, but it's like it's real pro. Like there's multiple angles, there's shots, there's like a little plot to it and everything. Like it's a real ass video. I was very impressed by that because uh, you definitely did not see bands in the mid '90s with no real major label support making real ass videos. So at the very least, go check out that Clockwise video because it's uh it's definitely a blast from the past. It's very '90s looking. It's great. You've probably never seen it. And uh, if you are a 90s nostalgia maniac, you'll love it. So check out that that uh, clockwise she said sick, bracket mm-hmm. sick, bracket, because it's actually she was. And uh, I also saw they have a video for a reunion show they did in 1998, so probably a couple years after they broke up uh, at a venue called Deja One that I've been to before. And it was so many people there. Like, yeah. <laughs> it had to be the most people for a reunion show that was like a band that, you know, just had like a couple releases 
um but it's just like you you this the the deja one was like a, a wedding hall kind of venue so it's huge it's for fucking weddings and it was packed wall-to-wall -wall people everybody singing along it was like a show now because there's millions of people at shows because everybody knows about hardcore but it was in 1998 and there's tons of people there so the sound kind of sucks on the video but you just want to see a, a lot of fucking people <laughs> a yeah. reunion show for a band you've never heard of or maybe you've heard of them if uh, you know I, I assume the farther we get from long island the less a chance you know clockwise is <laughs> but uh but yeah just check out that video there's so many fucking people there i was very impressed but yeah that's that's about it i had on clockwise they seem to be a band who shows up in the middle of a list when they talk about long island hardcore like, yeah. oh you know there's all these bands like mine over matter and movie <laughs> life and then and, and clockwise like <laughs> clockwise shows up <laughs> but no one ever really itemizes what was what what was the deal with clockwise other than you know it's being like a launching point for these guys who went on to some other things but uh yeah so i looked everybody up george is still kind of in the scene i guess possibly still straight edge because he still wears the x swatch and you can't wear that without proof of edge <laughs> so i assume that he's 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 still edge and uh he also seems to hold down a, a job what i assume is a real job working at disney so he's professionally a disney adult uh, in, in addition to his audio engineering he's got a disney credit or something mm. like his his linkedin just says he's a uh, he works for disney streaming so maybe he does audios for them or something like that i don't know and uh phil phil Han hanratty or hanratty the aerotype 11 guy uh moved to maine where he now works for a company whose big client is ll bean which mm. i mean if that, that ha if you drive through maine they <laughs> they make you work for ll bean for a few minutes uh, and he might maybe he's the guy who, who won the 1.3 billion on the mega millions this weekend i don't know so he's probably gonna do a lot more uh, clockwise reunions if he's if he's rich now <laughs> uh the russ is russ griner um couldn't find much about his post-clockwise musical career but he runs the number one live music bar and grill on the frenchman street in new orleans wow. so lots of dragon burlesque shows and every band features a tuba whether you like it or not there's going to be a tuba <laughs> in that room um eddie reyes re restless eddie reyes seems to quit bands forms big bands and quits them probably he's got to be one of the most successful long island hardcore careers that i can think of yeah he just he's collected all the beloved long island bands like pokemans he's been all of he's been in all of them <laughs> and now he's in the biggest long island band since probably blue oyster cult or something like that so uh i think it's it's i think it's both hilarious and troubling that his uh his final act is uh being in a band named after a chamberlain album or a split lip song <laughs> um chamberlain another another band kind of like metro shifter where secretly i think the guitars were heavy <laughs> I just needed like 30 years of space between me and the, the whole split lip thing to hear it. But I mean, I still don't like it. I listened to it and I was like, I still don't like this, but that, that album's guitars are chunky. They're pretty <laughs> chunky heavy. Uh, Gary Bennett, kill your idols guy opted for like a different form of hardcore celebrity, probably wisely. I think kill your idols. I feel like that's a, a more satisfying form of celebrities being in, you know, yeah. band that still in, in the scene, still got his chin strap, long Island chin strap beard all the way into 2023. But he might be the last one to still have it. I think. I think everybody else is. Uh, all the other weaklings have shaved theirs to get married, or or they've grown like Instagram lumberjack beards. They should cower before this guy. He's got one of the toughest looking chin strap beards I've seen in a while. It must be a foot thick. And um, I read in an article called "The Oral History of Long Island's Music Scene" that Gary said, "Yeah, I was in Clockwise with Eddie Reyes for years. Taking Back Sunday isn't my thing, but I'm glad that my friend was able to succeed and buy a house from playing his guitar. He's earned it. I agree with you, Gary." I don't know anything about clockwise. I'm glad some of you have houses now, but it, his music is not my thing either. So we're in league together. It's funny that you would say that in an interview, but, uh, well, I'm glad you didn't scoop me on the most important fact that I forgot to mention. Yeah. Which, uh, as I said, they released this demo four songs, which is very good. 
Then they released those Dead End 7 Inch that we're going to talk about now. Then they released the She Was CD EP uh, on something called Pi Records in 1996. But then another record label picked it up in 97 called Marlboro Music. And, I uh, did. Sc- <laughs> I, I have that for my layout notes. So you're yeah. scooping me. Hopefully, yeah. You don't- <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it was a German label from '86 to 2000. The label's use of the Marlboro logo logo is often mistakenly believed to be unofficial, but it's part of an official brand diversification program by Philip Morris Germany. Uh, initially, Marlboro Music focused on the rock genre before shifting focus in the mid '90s with the release of the London Underground series, and then it just goes on and on. So this was like a real cigarette label. Uh, so a little cigarette news for you. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I don't know if maybe Scott dug deeper, but uh, yeah, they were on <laughs> they were on fucking Marvel music, which is pretty crazy. Maybe that's why they released the video. Maybe it was so popular in Germany. They were like, "You guys, uh, we're gonna send you a million dollars to record a video because <laughs> we're we're Philip Morris. We have billions. So here's a million dollars. Record yeah, your know. silly punk rock video. Oh, Gary. Uh, Gar- sorry, Gary's band Big Sniff. Yeah, people will probably know it because you've definitely seen the cover art. Uh, it's by Bob Fingerman of like Mad Magazine, Crack Magazine, hmm. and a Minimum Wage fame. It's called We're Only In It For The Money, and it has like this kind of tank girl, like Chelsea hair punk rock girl. But this drawing is pretty well known. Don't know what it sounds like. Probably will never find out what Big Sniff sounds like. <laughs> I assume I would not like it based on this, but uh, they do have oh, yeah. one of the better album covers. In oh, yeah, this is very, very 90s cover. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they're on Motherbox Records, and it's crazy that we've never talked about Motherbox Records on this show, I don't think. Uh, they're it says Pennsylvania. They're from Long Island, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. Maybe they're from Pennsylvania now, but they released a lot of Long Island bands. I'm pretty sure I used to talk to this dude on AOL back in the day, but I'm not <laughs> positive. I think I did though. Um, yeah, they're they released a Albany Connection. They released a Disenchanted seven inch. Um, it was a split seven inch, but they did. Uh, they released the Neglect demo on seven inch. That's a classic band called Sleeposaurus, who I've been hearing of for my whole life. Never mm-hmm. heard them. Yeah. Uh, Violent Society. That was from Pennsylvania. So maybe they are from Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure. Gonna say Long Island, though. Uh, Kill Your Idols. Some of the early Kill Your Idols stuff. Um, looking for bigger bands. A lot of, lot of Sleep of Stores. Clockwise is in there. Oh, wait. I don't have it in chronological order. That's that's where we're screwing up here. Mm-hmm. Inside. Inside was a big one for me. I, I love Inside. I have a 7-inch on deck that I don't think we'll ever get to. But just in case we, we run on everything else. We might be doing an inside record because that is something that I don't even need to uh, do on the show because Scott's going to fucking hate it and it's just going to be pointless. So uh, they, they, uh, they released a couple couple of Disenchanted stuff. I guess they really liked them. Uh, and of yeah. course, uh, a record called Trip Face, Some Part Hope. don't know what that yeah. is, but I've uh, heard people mention it before. But yeah, it's uh, you know Long Island. I think, like I said, I think it's this, this is a part where it's going to be an inaccuracy and no, they are from Long... Okay, they're from fucking Rockaway. Yes, they're, they're from New York, Long Island. So I wasn't wrong. I wasn't remembering things wrong. But yeah, they're kind of a label that was... Like I said, <laughs> maybe it just seemed bigger in my mind because I talked to this dude on AOL. But it seemed to be like a label that everybody knew. And like I said, they had they had a couple big things in the 90s. But uh, maybe it's not as much of a household name as I think it is. But what do you think, Scott? Scott, big Disenchanted fan. I assume you had all Mother Boxes releases. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I have a couple of them because I had the Sleeposaurus, the split with um, Hellbender because I was very confused about all the Hell bands, Hell No, and yeah, I don't know if, if the Hell was in the name of the band, I thought I liked it. Whether <laughs> that was right, or not. not a big Hellbender fan. Like looking back on this, but uh, Sleeposaurus is a great name. Yeah. Um, so this label started off as a Spirit Assembly's label. The band Spirit Assembly formed the label just to put out their own stuff. Okay. But, 
But I think almost immediately we're like, oh, we don't know how to do business. And they just scattered <laughs> and like <laughs> left it. And so this guy, Paul Dangle, who I guess just worked at a radio station in Pennsylvania, took it over and made it work. I don't know how that me- mechanically how that took place, but that's like what I read about. Is that so? Then he moved to Long Island or New York after that, yeah, or something, okay. Or, okay. or or he maintained maybe maybe a maybe there was a mother box east and west. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, some uh, disenchanted are some uh, acquaintances, friends and acquaintances of mine. Um, they put most of their stuff out in mother box, and that record. Though, so the seven inch has a very fun drawing of the egg and the Albany Plaza for yep. a famous uh, skyline uh, with the disenchanted logo shining in the sky, like a bat signal. That's a pretty fun drawing. Uh, it's the <laughs> only real reason to own that thing. Um, and then they put out a CD in 2009 of every, uh, like a, a, that they had recorded. It was a full length. It's a real album. They recorded it in like 99 or something like that. They put it out in 2009, 10 years after the band broke up. <laughs> I think they might've been doing a reunion or something, but there was like no reason there was, I don't think the disenchanted had that much of a following to be putting out an album, <laughs> an original album 10 years later. Um, but yeah, th- that, that band features uh Kurt who was in tell him back with me. He was in yeah. a bunch of bands. So uh, he, but he grew up on long Island. So that's probably why they had that connection. Okay. So uh, yeah, that trip face thing, I assume is just a discography CD. Uh, and that's our friend Scott. Oh yeah. 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 And it's a, uh, it's just, it's a bunch of stuff repackaged. I don't know if it's remastered. What guess what? also came out in 2009 yep. so did he I like lose somewhere did he lose some bets did someone come <laughs> did these like all these long island bands come collecting like hey we want you to put out a full-length album <laughs> for us this year and go broke and die that's what we want for you yeah i remember that coming out and it's uh you know it's pretty good packaging so yeah got some money on it i think it's a couple cds too so Okay, that was Motherbox, so uh, now we can look at this record a little closer and get it out onto a tray. Nice. It's a little <laughs> tough. I almost dropped the thing. Um, so, uh, this uh, it's pretty pretty simple packaging here. So, uh, it's a, the, the front cover is uh, the band playing live. One of the guys is jumping up in the air, doing a little mm-hmm. punk jump. Um, Clockwise is in the, uh, the, the kind of varsity font with the, the outline varsity font. Probably my favorite version of the varsity font. And uh, the K and W are spaced just enough to make you wonder if this is one yes. or two words. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's two words. So I don't know. Who, I mean, it's one word in real life. So I don't know who put this together that didn't know the band well enough to uh, mm-hmm. to ask and be like, hey, how do you spell your name? Uh, so yeah. that's that's weird because I think it's it's later on in this, the same record. Yeah, like on the, uh, the actual record label, it's the K and the W are closer together. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's some formatting issue or something like that, but uh, it's uh, it's fucked up. Um, <laughs> you open it up, it's uh, two panels inside, and yeah. fold it out. Um, and they're the first, the left side of the panel is uh, just a collage. The guys kind of just playing, playing shows and stuff. It's fine. It's very photocopy copy style, very stark, high contrast, black and white. So it's, it's the '90s though. It's it's tough. It's it's expected, but it's tough to make out what's going on. But then in lieu of lyrics, uh, the right side is just 17 different thank you lists. It's just <laughs> so many thank you lists and so many different fonts. Uh, the the primary font is, uh, it's not a Comic Sans. I don't know what it's called. I think I did a whole entire zine in this font, but it's pretty much Comic Sans. <laughs> but yeah. it's a very popular 90s font that has not aged well. Like you look at it now and yeah. you just think uh, this is childish. This is a childish font. But but that's what most of everything is is in. Uh, there's a reference to 1995 in the thank yous, just in case 
you know, you were, you were still worried that this was from 1993. Um, but yeah, it's just like there's a thanks list and then a, a extra special thanks and then more thanks at the bottom and just like all this shit. Uh, I would have I would have liked lyrics, I think. <laughs> and the back cover is just a yeah. dead end sign and uh, that same crappy font again. And the, uh, the song title is in the wrong order. And uh, I think they're even in the yeah they're in the wrong order on the the record label too this this record label we'll get into it when we talk about the music it's also a clear record but we'll uh, we'll get into it when we talk about the music too but this seemed very rushed it seemed like yeah. there was a deadline to put this record out for some reason or another and uh, it seemed like nothing came together and so <laughs> it's a pretty it's it's pretty poor like the cover the cover is strong enough where. I'd have been like, oh, this is this is cool. This is definitely a hardcore record just by the font. But yeah, um, I pro- probably would have thought it was not my kind kind of hardcore though. So yeah, I probably would have passed it by. But um, but yeah, it's it's just like I could see why this could easily pass for ninety three because it does look like <laughs> a little older than the ninety five ninety six just by uh by what it looks like. But yeah, very underwhelming packaging for this. I think the clear vinyl's cool. Yeah, you know, you know, the first seven inch club boys like that clear vinyl. That looks yeah. like space toys from the seventies <laughs> or something. And uh, I like the dead end graphic. I think that that's kind of cool the way that's handled. You know, the the, the stark high contrast kind of photocopy look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the rest of the imagery is just standard hardcore stuff. So that's immune from critique. We're not I'm not allowed to critique <laughs> any of the rest of this uh, layout. I appreciate that there's a very sophisticated system of strokes around the college font logo. <laughs> they're not default they really went for it with the strokes uh they also chose what i would say is probably a pretty rare college font there's no serif it doesn't have the slab serifs on it it's it's like it looks weird it looks naked it looks like the college (laughs) font left the house without without its pants on or something like that and i kind of dig that Uh, the space definitely makes it look it says clockwise which you know maybe they i thought they wanted to differentiate themselves like i know how to tell time with a regular clock i'm wise (laughs) to the clock i'm not I questioned the use of this font, Dom Casual. That's the font you're looking for. This is Dom Casual everywhere else. Okay. Not only is it not a 90s font, it's a 50s font. This is a font from 19, the 1950s, which is where mm. you would usually see it. You know, It's the slightly better alternative to Benguiat Frisky, which is also mm. like a brush font, which is the far better alternative to Comic Sans. But it has that feel. And it, it works well to tell you about the hot dog special or the soup of the day at a diner, or if you're buying like a some kind of sock hop comp of like 50s, <laughs> 50s songs like that. But it's a psychotic choice to use for the entire body of text on an enormous <laughs> thanks list. If this thanks list is, it's fully seven inches wide by seven, <laughs> seven inches high of all caps Dom Casual. That is, that is, <laughs> that needed to be stopped. And then there's a couple other fonts at the bottom. Those are, I think that they chose the other fonts just because they could squeeze more text in because it's a very, it's a very narrow font. Uh, that's crazy too. But I want to give, I want to give a quick shout out to that CD single version. Mike talked about the Marlboro uh, sh- version of "She Was." You got to look at this because it looks like a fucking Smash Mouth record or something. Yeah. It, it's like I don't know how to describe. I don't want to describe it. Just check it out and let me know if you think they would have played before or after "Lit" on the second stage of. of <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really there. Yeah, <laughs> everything about it is a. Uh, something even the bleach the bleach yeah. the shoe shine hairdos on the back the bleached <laughs> hair on the back is <laughs> wow uh so yeah there you have it that's that's the underwhelming cover to clockwise's dead end seven inch so yeah. now we can talk about the tracks this is uh three tracks the very uh awkward one track on side a two tracks on side <laughs> b setup that no one likes 
just yeah. put the put the two tracks on site A and the last track on site B. Then no one has to ever flip it. But uh, you know, <laughs> they they bucked the trend. Did one 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 track, then two. So side A is a song called D Y E T M. It stands for Do You Ever Think of Me? I don't know if they just uh, abbreviated for uh, space reasons or what, but uh, maybe they were like, all oh, the other song titles are short, so it'll look really dumb if we typed out Do You Ever Think of Me? So uh, it's D-Y-E-T-M. Uh, so, spoiler alert, I, as I said, we, uh, we we spoke briefly to George, General George, the vocalist of this band, uh, in the Facebook group, because I was asking about times of when this stuff came out, and uh, he is... He told us that the band basically shunned this record because uh, it sucks. And okay, uh, okay, yeah, uh, you didn't see this. Okay, I feel um, a lot better about the things I'm going to yeah. <laughs> say in the future. Because uh, that's so that that was my big hang-up where I where I stammered and stuttered in the beginning because, like I said, it, the Discog said this was '93 and the the demo was '94. The demo is very pro sounding. It sounds mm-hmm. like right out of the gate, this band sounds like they're fucking ready for the big time, especially back then when a lot of bands are unpolished. And so I was like, well, this can't be 93 because all the other Mothervox releases are, you know, post this. So, it, you know, you can't just release something uh, back in time. So this can't be 93. But then I put it on and I was like, oh, this sounds very old and bad. So maybe it is 93. So that's why I was wondering. And yeah, George said they went to the same guy that they recorded the demo with and something happened where it just sucked. And uh, Mothervox was pressuring them that they just they couldn't redo it and they just had to put it out. And uh, he said that they went on to like just pretty much hate this and not really promote it. And after a while, they even took the songs out of their set because they, they hated it so much. So, so yeah. So all gloves are off now because uh, <laughs> this rec- this recording sucks. It sucks dicks. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. It's probably one of the worst recordings committed to uh, to a band that's otherwise very good at what they do. So like you know, listen to the, the shit their demo before and the record after, and it's it's all polished. The, they just got the bum end of the stick with this. It sounds very flat. It sounds mono. It sounds like you're uh, an AM radio. Not a broken AM radio, but a real AM radio. Like you're listening yeah. to it on a one Colby earphone. Like it's just <laughs> fucking terrible sounding. It's, it's, it's horrendous. Like I, I don't know how you can get something this bad from somebody that's not like somebody from a professional recording studio. They should have sued. But um, even outside of that, though, it is melodic Long Island style hardcore. That's what you're getting here. Um, but like the vocals on this are just unforgiving because there's nothing done to them. Like it doesn't even sound like 
doesn't even sound like they're mic'd honestly it just mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds like there was a room mic <laughs> and uh they were just singing uh there's like it's very unforgiving nothing's polished uh the song itself is kind of like uh the first half is kind of like a lush style kind of alt rock song and the second half is a more punkier melodic hardcore song uh and i dig that i i i like the uh the, the kind of long the 90s melodic long island sound i kind of wish bands still sounded like this but it got way too advanced and now like anytime somebody's like oh yeah check out this band they're doing like a melodic long island thing it just sounds like fucking creed to me like it just sounds like so <laughs> yeah, polished yeah. and so stupid i don't understand what anybody seems like thinks like i don't see what people listen to shit like that and connect it to silent majority or something like it just doesn't make yeah. any sense to me so i don't know how that happens but if you guys out there know any bands that actually sound like clockwise or silent majority and not just sound like a polished radio version of them let me know because I would, I would check them out uh the song itself even sounds like it's a half step too slow like it was meant to be a little faster than it is and uh like again i don't know if that's production wise or they're they're scared or nervous or something but it just sounds a little too slow um and yeah there's there's a there's definitely a good to great song buried deep in this terrible terrible recording but it's just like it's so bad and there's no polish on it it's it sounds like it sounds like it's not as bad audio quality as a practice tape but i don't think it's as good as a demo tape either so it's somewhere in between it's in it's in purgatory over there between uh heaven and hell <laughs> demo and practice so it's but you know deep inside like the song itself i think is written good it's just a very bad recording it's so- it sounds like they did a good recording of the band and then pushed it through cheesecloth or something because it's like <laughs> like the like you know the the production of the music is coherent you know you can hear all the guitars <laughs> and the bass and the drums but it's just like it's like it is like it was recorded through someone's mouth like just <laughs> recorded in their mouth somehow uh, but Mike is trying to get me murked this week. He's trying to get me murdered because <laughs> I guess he's tired of doing the show. Because first you posted the Facebook group, which drew in some of the band members ahead of time. <laughs> Usually they show up later. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys, his Facebook profile repeatedly insists he doesn't even use Facebook anymore. So he just opened up Facebook the first time just to make my life complex. Just to show up <laughs> and be there while I'm reviewing his record. Uh, and then you hand me track one, which is 90% talk singing. New listeners. I don't like talk singing. I don't <laughs> have any patience for like when you talk as the lead vocal. Uh, he's he's a little bit better than average because he's at least on rhythm. He's sort of like you know he's following the pattern of the song. He's not just doing the <laughs> a lot of hardcore talking is. Um, someone in the group already posted that this is their favorite song. Like how how is this your favorite song? What other songs have you heard that this is your favorite song? <laughs> Because uh, one minor correction, I think the I think the name of the song is actually "Don't You Ever Tell Me." Oh, okay. but, uh, do you ever think about it? Because I think the chorus is "Don't You Ever Tell Me." Oh, sorry, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the band is playing well. The song is really mapped out, right? You know, it sounds coherent, everything. But this branch of hardcore is just I I never really vibe with this sort of hardcore because this is dangerously close to just like regular old guitar rock mm. or even pop punk. And uh, that kind of stuff has to be pretty heroic for me to break my pop punk embargo. Talk singing over the uh, hardcore octave chords. That's not the recipe to win me over. (laughs) I'm not loving it so far. (laughs) Uh, Next track, first track on side B is technically called Alone, uh, but it's actually You Said.
why this isn't corrected anywhere. There's another thing I'm gonna have to fix on Discogs, but <laughs> um, it's I mean it's wrong on both labels on the the record too. So um, this starts off with a little goofing Spanish guitar, like kind of a, like a goofy skit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been a lot funnier if the recording wasn't so bad. This is just <laughs> fucking no time for jokes, no yeah, time for guys. joking around. This should have. <laughs> As soon as they heard how bad this recording was, they should have cut that. A little no too much grab for- ass, guys. Not enough, <laughs> yeah. enough, enough no fucking time for the sliders. Um, this is the same exact formula as the first song. It's kind of a lush alt rock song that turns into a little poppier, punky, hardcore song. Yeah. Um, this song kind of meanders, though. I, I don't think it ever really gets to that point. It just kind of goes. Uh, and then for some reason, when the hardcore section, the second half, kicks in, the vocals sound even further away. It sounds like they left the room and they're... they're <laughs> They're sing the other so the, the vocals on the first track sound like they're just talking basically like Scott yeah. said it doesn't sound like they're really trying to like you know sing like <laughs> yeah. they're not projecting their voice it just sounds like they're talking this sounds like they're projecting their voice but in order to do that they had to go into another room and uh, it, after a while like it's, <laughs> it sounds like it's getting lower and lower like they're sinking in quicksand and just like they're getting further and further away so uh, yeah this is the weakest track on the record it's just uh, the the goofing and the bad recording does not help us at all. Yeah, it's like the, the studio guy didn't know how to turn things down. He just, could you just back up? <laughs> just keep backing up. If you're going to yell like that, you got you to gotta back up. Don't get so don't close to my mic. Uh, I said earlier that I liked when the band Old Lady Drivers mixed mariachi music and heavy metal, so this is fine by my own words. <laughs> this, is, this meets my criteria of excellence. So, um, There's a few parts in this song where another voice chimes in, and that person is, is, is singing. Like they're singing, they're yeah. on key, they're singing correctly. I think if that guy sang along all the time, I'm not saying get rid of the main guy. If you had a guy really singing and then another guy kind of like moan talking <laughs> or whatever he's doing or like dry shouting or whatever, uh, that could. I think that would be sick. I'm not kidding. I think that that would be a cool sound. Like that would be something you guys maybe, maybe work on that for the you know <laughs> you guys want to work on that. Uh, the last track is called "You Said," but actually it's probably called "Alone." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, uh, that I should mention that there is an abnormally long pause between tracks on this. Like mm-hmm. I listened to this and I recorded in real time. And, uh, so a lot the first track ends and, uh, I wait a few seconds and I'm like, Oh, I thought there was another track. I guess it's over. And then I walk the 10 feet, uh, to go shut off the recording and I shut it off and the next track starts. So it's just, it's way too long. It should be about three seconds between tracks. There's just an abnormally long break for some reason. Um, this song combines both of the clockwise parts into one, so this is kind of a lush alt rock with tinges of, of melodic punk going on at the same time. Uh, it's still broken into two parts, but they're just more similar parts. Um, I gotta know what Scott thinks of this part. They, they this, The song stops and they both dual talk sing at the same time. I'm sure this was Scott's favorite part of the whole entire record, and he can't wait to gush about it. Uh, this song has a proper fade out to, to it, though, which is probably the only post-production done on this whole entire record was uh the guy hitting fade out but uh but yeah this song this song is i think i don't think it's as good as the first track i think it's a decent song again mired by a, a terrible recording we have a minor problem in that i didn't even know this song was on there <laughs> oh my god see because there's such a long there's a long pause yeah. you didn't know there's a long pause in the other song so i thought that the she said she said she said song was the last song <laughs> no and I only I'm like listening now and I'm like, man, you know, I don't think I would have liked this, but there's like some twin lead guitar. There's some tasty leads. I don't know. Yeah, but I didn't even li- I didn't even hear this song, so I can't even give a review. I was just going to say because the second half of the other song sounds so different. <laughs> I just thought it was the other song. I was like, oh, listen to this. They like they play the riff fast. 
then they play it at halftime to give it the groove, which means they have so much in common with Biohazard and Hatebreed. I just wanted to talk about <laughs> the similarities <laughs> between this brand and Hatebreed. <laughs> at least it's got some, you know, some of these songs have some spicier drumming. I like that one when they go to the Bukitika pocket, Bukitika pocket, it only happens a couple times. And like, you know, I like that shit. You guys should have let that drummer off the leash nonstop. You guys could have been like the uh, the post hardcore Mastodon. But I'm sorry, I've never heard your final song and I never yeah. will. I don't think. <laughs> Here it is. That's I, what happens. You guys get a half-assed review for a half-assed recording. Listen, I don't show up here every week with the intent to do a bad fucking job, okay? Uh, this is embarrassing. So I sat down and listened to this song and decided to just drop in this little capsule review. And it's a good thing I did because I, I think this is the best song on the record. It's also the wimpiest song on the record, but I, I kind of think that pushes it out of pop-punk territory and maybe closer to post-punk territory which is border boss approved that's a border boss approved genre post-punk and um this isn't really post-punk but anyway uh the double talking break that we talked about here it feels like it should be troubling but it's also kind of musical so i'm inclined to let it slide just this one time guys and it has a big layered vocal outro like they spent a full inch of their seven inches to do this big layered vocal fade out and that's all I ever wanted for these boys. That's all I ever wanted. So a few minutes from now, when I give my score, just please tuck in an extra, you know, 0.25 points in there. But don't tell them where it came from. Just let them enjoy it, okay? Just let them have a good time. Just for once in their lives, let them just enjoy something and have a good time, okay? Christ's sake. So yeah, there you have it. There's the Clockwise record. Um, I kind of wish I'd never heard this. I kind of wish I just had that that memory in my head of the really good demo and i i implore you if you do like that old timey long island melodic hardcore sound please the demo is on it's uploaded on youtube i don't think anybody's crazy enough to ever like press it to seven inch or something but yeah. it's kind of sucks that it, th those songs are on a demo and th these songs are on a seven inch but that's the way it goes sometimes you get fucked and uh <laughs> it sucks but yeah just like if you like that sound please go listen to the demo it's probably something you don't know about and it's very, very good. It's very good for the style. I can understand why there's 27,000 people in 1998 at the reunion show because that demo was so strong. Unfortunately, we were talking about the 7-inch, and uh, my review, my, my ratings are either thrown in the trash, just listen to it on streaming, uh, buy it for clearance prices, buy it for full price, or buy it for collector's prices. I'm going to be very, very nice and say that maybe buy it for 50 cents if you see it. Uh, <laughs> But I like I can't. I wouldn't even say stream it, and I don't want to say throw it in the trash because that's that's reserved for bands I hate, and I don't hate Clockwise. It's just this is a really bad recording, mm -hmm. and it's it's just kind of bad. So yeah, if you see it and you know you are into that Long Island sound and you miss them, pick it up. Uh, kind of, I mean, shitty sounding recordings are cool now. That's what all the kids are doing. They're making their stuff sound shitty on purpose. So uh, maybe there's a kid out there who's like, I like this shitty sound. So uh, yeah. Maybe you are that kid. I don't know. But yeah, if you see it for a buck, pick it up. But, you know, temper your expectations because the, 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 qu the quality of the recording is very bad. But uh, the music, is, to me at least, not to Scott, but to me at least, the music <laughs> on it is pretty decent. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my, uh, my very polite review. I'm sad that this landed in front of me to review because I'm the absolute wrongest guy for, <laughs> for this record. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I know like bands like this, really can be impactful to people like if this is your like hometown band like this is what people this is what you grow up loving <laughs> uh and they're not trying to be super tramp but it just so happens i'm a dude who wishes more of you would try to be super tramp <laughs> some of you guys to try to reach for the stars 
Uh, so yeah, I listened to some of their other recordings. I didn't listen. I apparently didn't listen to this full recording, but I did listen to some of your other (laughs) stuff and I like it. I like the other stuff a lot more than this. I think the four, that four song tape is a lot more heavy, a lot more interesting. Um, that later record isn't really my thing, but I think it does a better job of what this seven inch was trying to do. Yes. Yes. I like the lead vocals on that song and some of the other stuff, they seem a little rougher and more energetic and the other guys who jump in to help them out, help them out more. So I'm glad you guys listened to me. I'm glad you guys went back in time and listened to my advice and took took action. Uh, it really helped out. I think it, it actually sounds pretty good. So yeah, this isn't for me. It's not my thing. I don't get anything at all out of the subgenre of hardcore. I don't. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know how understand how it's hardcore. Sometimes <laughs> after listening to this record, I watched a Vice one star review guy get his hair bleached at a one star review hair salon. I know these guys are liking that hair bleach and they're liking those frosted tip drip. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you that one star. And I'm going to give you a bonus star because that live video in 98 is pretty sick. You guys are really going for it. Uh, and it definitely makes the case for your existence. I think it's pretty good. There you go. Uh, very modest but still polite review. Yeah. Uh, from A rating from Scott. And that's our show. Uh, I'm not really sure what we're doing next week. I think I might pull out another heavy hitter 7-inch to, to keep the listenership up. Mm-hmm. Get those clicks going. All that shit. Uh, but until then, do you have any last words, Scott? Yeah, I got a big one. Uh, I apologize for this dad rock moment. And you probably are, you already probably already heard about this, but uh, I posted on social media uh, that I want people to know this week my daughter watched a Scooby Doo show and it <laughs> featured the band Kiss. And it is so out of bounds for Scooby Doo that you, it, it's worth seeing. About, so, about halfway through the show, Kiss launches a giant flying Les Paul battleship through a Stargate into a tunnel that's made to look like Jack Kirby space with the Kirby crackles and all the ridiculous planets. And they just fly Zaxxon style after like a space witch shooting rock and roll rockets at her and they do this by playing their disco song i was made for loving you which is a song about <laughs> fucking uh it's a song about wanting to bang and uh i just want us to share this event like we don't we don't have a common pop culture anymore there's never going to be another final episode of mash there's never going to be another janet jackson boob that we've all saw but like 20 years from now can we casually drop references to the kiss kirby disco vortex as a cultural given that's what i want that would be my mark on the world i would love if that's what i was remembered for was getting this out there <laughs> that's it well there you have it fuck charlie daniels, fuck charlie daniels. <laughs>
Take that.